Welcome to the Common Sense Connections app audio education series. We encourage you to listen carefully to the success and leadership principles discussed in this audio. They have enabled countless independent business owners just like you to build a successful business and have a full and balanced life. And when I, when I got in, I fiddled with my mask for a minute and then got my snorkel piece put in and I stuck my face in, my, in the water. This is kind of what people do when they get used to our business. They kind of mess with it a little bit until they get situated. Give them time to do that. It's okay. So I put my face in and what happened next is unimaginable. Almost instantaneously, a different dimension of the universe opened to my view. I'd been snorkeling before and it was awesome. I went to school in Hawaii for a year, so I thought I knew what cool snorkeling was. But this ruined me in the best of ways. It was the most stunning periwinkle color I've ever seen. And I could see, see straight down to huge depths of the coral and it appeared crystal clear on the bottom. It was huge, magnificent, and a little bit terrifying in a strange way to realize how big it was under there. The, the entire ocean floor was landscaped in untouched coral. I remember seeing a brain coral clear down there. It was probably the size of a couple of Volkswagen bugs, but they looked like a quarter. Like that's how far we could see. It was hurt, your eyes kind of pretty. And a whale could have swam by in any direction and it would have looked small. And it's probably what a fish looks like when he gets out of the water. That's why they flip out. <laughs> and uh, it was right there under the boat, which I didn't know it was there until I really got into it. And I was so glad that he stopped the boat and invited us to get in, in a nice way, not in a crazy way. <laughs> and I'm so glad that I trusted to get out of the boat at the time. I could have said no about getting out, but I didn't feel like I needed to at the time. Sometimes you have to get in the water to see it. I'm so grateful I got out and observed what might have been one of God's greatest natural creations I've ever observed. Anyways. Back to the, story, to the scary story, okay? All right, let me show you another picture. We drove on in the boat, and there actually was an island. And this looks pretty accurate. It had a long, rickety dock with three hammocks on the end covered by a gazebo. The only thing that's really different here is it didn't have a swing set. Maybe they put that in later. But it also didn't have that landmass out there. We were in Belize, and I looked it up on a map. The next thing would have been Jamaica. Seriously, I didn't just say that to, you know, rally you up a little bit. But there were two or three people out there that were working on the island, and we had brought tents, so we set them up, and we went and had conch ceviche right there next to that dock, which isn't really the dock, but that was it. One of the days that we were out there, my sister Abby and her boyfriend Chris, we all decided to go snorkeling. The area around the dock was pretty shallow for maybe 50 yards. So we walked out in knee-deep water on the flat sandbar until we, until we came to a cut in the sand ledge where it led to the deeper water. We thought that would probably be a good place to snorkel, which it was. We could kind of weave around and we'd bump into each other, but you can't really talk because you have your snorkel mask on, so everything's done by hand signals. And we had been out for a while when I floated over Stingray, and it was maybe five feet below me, four feet wide, and I didn't even know it was there until it ruffled its the sand off of it and it kind of soared away. So it gave me a little bit of a thrill, but it was fun. And then I ran into Abby and she points to this barracuda. Can I go back? There he is. 
Um, and I give my sister, I, she points the barracuda and I, I give her the, yeah, cool. And she goes, not cool. I could tell something was wrong immediately. And I take a second look at him and I'm like, yeah, he does look a little bit intimidating. So she points to the surface, we come up and she says, he's been following around, he's making me really nervous. And every time I turn my back on him, he gets real close. I said, okay. So we stick our faces back in him. He's like right up next to us. So uh, my eyes start to mirror what her eyes look like. Real big, like we're gonna win a staring contest that we can't win. And um, we gave it a good effort. And we started fin pedaling backwards so we could keep our eyes on him, trying to not to make too many bubbles because then that mean he, he meant he would come closer. And he's circling us with his one crazy eye that doesn't blink and his huge pointy teeth, apparently more effective on the outside of his mouth. I remember thinking, this is either going to hurt or it's going to hurt my sister. So remember the hammock scene? Let's go back to that one, it's much more enjoyable. Um, remember the hammock scene, there is nothing, there, there's not a landmass right there. We've got two people on the island that are working on it, but there's no help around. So um, I was having a little bit of trouble getting oxygen through that tiny little pipe. I was breathing really hard and I could hear it and I could hear my heart. Maybe a little Jaws music was going on. And this went on for 15 minutes or so. And we had zero strategy, except to move like really uncoordinated ogres around just trying to get to the sandbar. And we're swimming backwards um, and he's circling us, which doesn't make us feel very comfortable. He'd try and swim under us and we'd stretch long because it didn't feel very good for him to go down under us. So then Chris shows up. Luckily, he's a big firefighter, looks pretty intimidating, and we, he, we point to the barracuda, and he's like, yeah, cool. We said, we're gonna die. That's the hand signal we, got, we gave him. So now we have the A-team, right? And he, he's, luckily he carries a pocket knife at all times, so he's reaching in his, this is how you move in the water. You know, he like gets down there, and gets his weapon out, flips the blade, and we've just unveiled our most intimidating defense mechanism we could find. And unfortunately, barracudas are built for speed. So now all three of us are swimming backwards to see if we can get to the sandbar and we can have some fighting chance. Well, we made it to the sandbar. We felt like it took hours. We, wa we walked over to the docks and laid on them like dead fish and felt like throwing up, but none of us did. Uh, we just felt like we'd cheated death. And that's it. Scary story's over. None of us sustained any injuries, and that night we were sitting on the dock, and Chris read that barracudas often follow divers like puppies because they're curious. We had a sick, <laughs> sick feeling post-non-traumatic chuckle about it. Sometimes we feel fear when no danger exists. You could argue that fear tells us when we're in danger to help us get into fight or flight mode. But have you considered the fears you have in this business? Do you need to run or to fight here? Were you forced here by a barracuda? I mean, maybe you were, but maybe they're just kind of curious about what you want, where you want to go. For me, enjoying life is really in finding my joys. Finding being a very action-intensive verb. You go do it. You get in the water and see if it's something you love. It's not something, if it's not something you love, then you simply get out of that water, mentally get out of it. 
Sometimes I've forgotten that getting into the water leads me to beautiful places I've never seen. I wander into thinking about the what-ifs in the negative form. In this story, the what-ifs could have run like this. What if I go to Belize and I get stuck somewhere because I didn't make any plans? What if I'm eating dinner and a kid runs up and he wants to take my money? What if a man in a boat wants to keep our backpacks so he ditches us in the middle of the ocean? What if I go snorkeling and a surly barracuda drags me or my sister into the ocean and we die? If I didn't do those things we did, then isn't the experience the fear and worry itself? That's the apex of the experience. In this business, the what-ifs run like this. What if I talk to them and they don't like what I'm doing? What if brain sense doesn't change their life? What if this is a scam and all these people are running around telling people how their lives could be changed and meanwhile making them drink healthy drinks and talking about how cool it is to think different? What if I read a book every day that, could, that told me I could choose how I want to create my life and I waste all that time? It's easy to fall into the trap of thinking that staying still is the Garden of Eden, that it will keep you safe. It is true, we could have stayed in the Garden of Eden, or even in Colorado where we grew up, but I was blessed with desires to go and see and do things, different things. And in that process of exploring, my view of beauty was exponentially enlarged. This is the secret, or there is a secret to the what-ifs. The what-ifs don't have to be framed in our fears and worries. What-if can be it can be in the form of, what if brain sense changed their life and their families forever? What if I read a book every day and listen to promptings that tell me where to go and what to, do, what to do, and I become and do something that I've never thought I could ever do before? What if I do know I'm supposed to be right here, right now, in this room today, and I run with this? And what if I see things and do things and go places that help me to recognize how much I can do with my life? What if I love people wherever they are and just spread good feelings wherever I go? What if you replaced your what if of despair, worry, pain, and illness, poverty, or even gray areas, areas like safety or security with what ifs of sanctuary, hope, joy, growth, prosperity, and love? Wouldn't that be something? When those negative what-ifs put their foot in the door, could you instantly replace those with the polar opposite, not just in business, but for everything? The other day I was riding with my mom to an appointment and we were late. There was a stoplight up ahead and she said, it'll probably turn red. And I said, or it may stay green. And I was so grateful that I had that little reflex. Little differences in your language start with the little differences in your thinking. If you hold the idea that what happens in your life is clockwork, then everything does work exactly in perfect sync. Things that appear bad are actually just movements in the gears. They make your life work perfect. We, you and I, are more powerful at creating than we can imagine. Thinking in this way allows us to collaborate with God because we're focused on perfect, which is the only way he does things. Why not create in a way that brings joy? Why not stay in a mindset of thinking good about people, places, and experiences? 
It doesn't mean you don't use good judgment. It means that your good creating mind does the work and not the other creating mind. Your mind is always creating what you think about. Nothing con connects you more to God than a deep, sincere, lively, and continuous gratitude. Not just when things are like the Garden of Eden, but when things are breaking in your heart or they, they're racing, your heart's racing. Hold gratitude in your mind. Replace words of, I hate, I'm worried that, the blame, and anything else in that area with, I want, I'm looking for, I like the idea of, I am grateful for, I know that. One of the greatest blessings I've seen from being involved here is how I raise my kids. The other day, my seven-year-old June and I went to run an errand, and it didn't go as expected. And she piped up, some things don't work out, so they can work out. There is always an opposite to fear, frustration, worry, or doubt. When my kids say or do something I believe will lead them to dangerous waters, I try and turn my mind around and think of things that they could swim in. Hold in your mind the idea that where, where you want to go and what you want to do. Hold perfect and what it would look like. Hold the image of peace and happiness. If your happiness really is worry, then worry good. Do it really well. And if, you're, if your joy is in crumbling finances, struggle, illness, terrible relationships, by all means, think about it and talk about it all the time. However, I think most of you want wholeness in a positive way. You want to be doing what you love with the people you love, feeling happy, healthy, and fulfilled. If, if it moves, it moves, sorry, even viewing people strong, who strongly disagree with you in a different way and loving, and loving them changes how the world works. It moves it from the competitive world of fight to a creative world of not only how do we make this work, but how do we make it work perfectly amazing. If you want those things, focus on them. I had a scary story, but it was all in my head. I have a great story to tell about you, and we're writing it right now. We write it in how we live and how we speak and how we think. Maybe you're relatively new and you're not sure about these waters you're swimming in. And that's okay. Swim in it for a little bit and see if you like it. See if you get the feeling that it's where you're supposed to be, even though you don't know what's under the sparkly blue water. Write your story how you want it. Work with God to create perfect. It's the only thing that he can really rally behind. Start wherever you are. Start by, start by making your thoughts how you want them right now at dinner, on your way home, as frequently as you can. The more you do it, the more your perfect ideas become. The more they form in your mind, and those things are brought into your life so you can live them. You've got the support team here who's focused on proficiency of thought. They're not perfect, but they're thinking about perfect. When you feel you're slipping, reach out to them, get to the next function, get into the audios, read the books, and get in the water and start thinking in a way that will show you unimaginable beauty. I promise you, what you when you put your face in the water and truly look at where you are and what, what we have here, you will become what Walter Wallace termed, Waddles termed a citizen of another kingdom. What you may not be confident in yet is that all are welcome here. Even with all of your human errors, including the one that makes you think you're just fine the way you are. There is plenty of room here to see, do, and create. To me, 
The beauty here is in people thinking in colors you never knew existed, focusing on setting their minds toward doing good and doing the unimaginable. I'm grateful to be here swimming in these waters with you. Let's see where, we'll, where we will go next, because I think it'll be perfect. Love you guys. This audio series was created to help you with personal development, professional development, and gaining the skills to build a sustainable business. While certainly no one can guarantee success, it is our hope that the principles and ideas discussed here will enable you to experience the thrill of accomplishment and offer your life greater significance and enjoyment. This is a copyrighted program. The purchase of the program is optional, and any unauthorized reproduction or broadcast of this digital media without express written consent is strictly prohibited. All rights are reserved.